Every year uh, in spring, in September, we run a series called our Spring Sewing Series. And it's a series that is um, designed to take time to intentionally sow financial seeds into different projects. So this year, um, our giving for our spring sowing is going to the global church. And what we found through Open Doors is that we still live in an age where the global church is not necessarily celebrated everywhere, but is actually going through a lot of persecution. One of the things that we, I guess, we take for granted is that coming to church for us is is not necessarily a a hardship or... uh, We have freedom to come and worship God, right? Your choice, my choice. Uh, But it's not like this for other Christians around the world. Uh, It's hard for us to understand this, and I understand this as well, but, like, you know, this is a very foreign... Especially if you've never lived overseas or you haven't heard about um, the church overseas, it does seem a little bit foreign. But uh, the reality is that um, for many Christians around the world, worshipping God comes at humongous cost. You know, for us, the cost is a Sunday morning, you know, some sleep in the morning, um, you know, a few bucks out of our pocket. But for some people around the world... People worshipping God costs them their family, costs them their livelihoods, their freedoms, and sometimes even their lives. And that's the reality. And that's the reality that we wanted to show you about the global church. Now, why is it important for us here in Sydney to care about the global church? Right? They're so far away. Right? Why is it important um, for us that we should care enough and it's this reality it's our church we're a part of the global church it's not that the global church exists and we exist we are a part we are a part of this family 1 corinthians 12 26 reads this if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We care about the global church because we are the global church. We are a part. We are one in Christ. How selfish it would be for us to live in our safe and comfortable environment when our brothers and sisters around the world are not. This is not just strangers. This is family that we're talking about. So that's why we need to be involved. We need to be informed about what is happening in the global church. And we probably don't do enough of it. But it's been a great opportunity for us to be able to see. Now, how do we link the need to serve the global church and the idea of generosity? Last week, Pastor James preached a great sermon on generosity, right? Today we're going to go to a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth and and teaching them and rebuking them and he does all about this teaching. And he's going to to give us a, a wonderful story about what it means to be generous as the church. Now what do we know about the church in Corinth? Three things. It was a powerful city. It was a big city. It was a rich city. 
But it was a jacked up city, full of immorality, full of idols. But just good to know that context. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first, uh, first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier uh, made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of living. So he's teaching the, he's teaching the, the church in Corinth, and he tells them this story about this little church in Macedonia. Now, there are three things that we can, we can uh, pick up from this passage that Paul is teaching about generosity. Uh, number one is this, generosity beyond circumstance. Verse 1 and 2. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know that the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, what we know about the Macedonian church through this passage is that they were in what Paul says, a very severe trial. Now, we don't know what that is, but for someone to, be, to describe it as a severe trial, it must be pretty big, right? Uh, and yet, and yet we see the Macedonian church, who was not in a great situation, still choose to be generous. What do we learn? We learn that generosity actually goes beyond your circumstance and your situation. You know, so many times we think that, that we will be generous when we have more. That we should be generous when we're in a better headspace. But the Macedonian church shows us, even in severe trial, that they chose generosity. Now, there was a, there was a couple that, that I know, and I was talking to, I heard a story about them, and this couple work extremely hard. They work hard, they, they started their own business, and, and, and they used to be, um, they, you know, uh, faithful in the church, but as the business grew, they started making choices in their life, and they started making choices that would affect things like friendship, family, and even church. And sadly, as they continue to dedicate themselves in making more and more money, they, would start, they started to give up friendships. They started to give up family. And they gave up church. And someone asked them, you know, you're working so hard, but you're not coming to church. You should come to church. Why aren't you coming to church? And their response was, look, we want to be in a financial position where we can really help people. Now, I heard this, right? And inside, I laughed a lot as I thought about what they had said, as I thought about their multi-portfolio of, 
properties as I thought about these holidays that they go on. And I thought to myself, that's absolute rubbish. Friends, if you can't be generous with a little, then you will never be generous with a lot. If you can't give 10 cents out of a dollar, you'll never give thousands out of millions. Someone once said that money doesn't make you more generous, but money places a magnifying glass on your heart. And it emphasizes what already exists in your heart. Meaning this, if you are already generous, if you already have a generous heart, the more money you have, then the generosity will grow. But if you do not have a generous heart, then even with more money, you will not become more generous. You will actually become more stingy. Friends, generosity does not depend on circumstance or situation. Number two, generosity goes beyond the minimum. Verse three, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Friends, generosity is not about what is the least I can give so that I can be generous. Generosity is about abundance. Giving the little bit left over after you've spent everything else does not make you generous. The Macedonian church is described, they gave as much as they were able, not as little as they were able. And I wonder, do we think like that? When we think about giving, when we think about generosity, is that how we think that I want to give as much as I can or is it more I want to give as least as I can that I need to? Once again, this has nothing to do with the actual dollar amount, but this is actually a values question. It's a question of what do you value? Bottom line, right? We give to the things we value. We give. If we see value, then we give. We give our time, we give our energy, and we give our finances. But if we don't see value, then we don't give. Let me give you an example of electric cars. Now, there are, there are two types of people, and this is a big generalization, but just go with it. There are two types of people that buy electric cars. Number one, tree huggers. People who love the environment, right? And I have nothing against that. Some of my friends are like that, right? People who love the environment, that they are so concerned about their carbon footprint and knowing that electricity is a better a source of energy, they, they, because they believe that, because they value that, they put their money to buy the electric car, which is more expensive than the normal car. Right? Why? Because they value it. So that's the first type of people, people who love and value the environment. The second type of person who buys an electric car is one that values trends, values what people think about them. Right? The second type of group of people that want to buy electric cars are the people that are into the newest trend. People who, who, who are hip, who are trendy, right? These people already have the iPhone 14. 
even though it only just came out, right? They value being pictured with what is in, therefore, they will purchase an electric car because the electric car is in. When somebody first um, invents the flying car, they will buy it, right? They will, and they will put it on Instagram, right? And you will know as they fly over your head, right? They value, see, as, as interesting as these two groups of people are completely different, it's actually the same thing. They put their money where their value is. And it's the same with generosity. We are generous when we see value. And we are generous when even the value is generosity. Because these are our values, when we give, we give deeply. Generosity that runs deep. Thirdly, they generosity beyond themselves. Verse 3 and 4. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people entirely on their own, meaning no one actually went, hey, can you give to the church? Can you give to the local body of community uh, of believers? No one forced them. It was on their own initiative. What did they do? They urgently pleaded for the privilege of sharing in service, right? They begged Paul in their trial and suffering, can you let us give? Can you let us be a part of serving the global church by giving? No one prompted them. They did it out of their own free will. Now, let's be honest. How many of us give like this? How many of us during the week wait for church to come so that you can give your offering to the Lord? How many of us are waiting for payday so that as soon as the pay hits your account, straight away, you send your tithe to the church and it's the most fulfilling thing that you've done that whole month? How many of us sit in sermon waiting for Steve to hurry up so that we can get to the offering time because I'm so excited to give my offering to the Lord? I know some of you are excited about Something, <laughs> hurry up, I can smell the barbecue. This was the little church in Macedonia. They begged. It's like if we went to St. Paul's, right? St. Paul's Anglican. They said, please, please let us donate food to your program to serve. I think they would be like, what's wrong with you? But this church, this, this little congregation in Macedonia, that was their heart. That was their attitude. Why? Because they knew it wasn't just about their own little group, their own little church, their own little congregation. But the church, the global church, was as important. They cared for the bigger picture of the kingdom of God and not just their own four Walls. It reveals an attitude that was kingdom-focused and not just for themselves. Generosity beyond themselves. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, 
and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. This is what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth. You guys do so many things well. You do business well. You do influence well. You know, you're a powerful city. So make sure that you're also good in your giving. And I think that this is the message that, that the Lord has for our church this morning. You know, I think there are things that we do well as a church. We are a loving church. We are a warm church. Our praise and worship team is, is fantastic. Our welcoming team is good looking. Our children's ministry keep kids alive. You know, that one's a bit of a low bar. You know, we provide, we provide a global service to 360 nations in the world if they choose to tune in. It's available. And I think the Lord is saying to us, hey, make sure your giving is also good. Scripture says, where your heart is, right? where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I think as a church, we've got to make sure that our heart is in the right place. That we're a generous church, not just in our time and our energy, but in our finances as well. So this year we decided we're going to give to the global church and we're going to give it through open doors. And so here's a small video to remind us of who we are giving to this year and then we'll finish up. Jesus cost you. Safety, job security, family and friends. 340 million Christians in places like North Korea, Afghanistan, India and China are denied access to jobs, education, they are arrested, attacked and even killed for following Jesus. For over 65 years, Open Doors has been helping people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. When you partner with us, your generous donation will help the persecuted church survive by providing discipleship, emergency relief and community development. Pray with a secret believer in the Middle East. Deliver a survival pact to a Christian in North Korea. Smuggle Bibles to an underground church leader in China. Well, our goal is not to end persecution or in many ways to even avoid it. It's to help people stand in the face of it and shine as brightly as they can for Jesus. We are one body. When they hurt, we all hurt. If we don't shine a light, they suffer in darkness. If the church doesn't help the church, who will? Walk hand in hand with the persecuted church and overcome the things that stop us from following Jesus together and learn from those who are willing to risk everything for Jesus. Today, will you help people follow Jesus no matter the cost? So that's who we're giving to, and we're going to take some time a little bit later to give, and I'll walk you through that. But as we finish, there's a, there's a phrase in verse 1 that I want to take us back to. And it reads this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. And that's it. There's something in that verse, right, that we forget. Paul tells the church in Corinth, and he's teaching the church in Corinth about giving, but it, the, the message wasn't, hey, look at how awesome the Macedonian church is. Look at what they're doing. Look, you know, look how amazing they are. Look how generous they are. As much as we think that the story that Paul gives is about the Macedonian church, it's actually about God. 
We want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian church. Friends, the church in Macedonia was able to give and to be generous because they first were recipients of generosity themselves. It was actually God who allowed them the opportunity to give. The main character of this story is God. And in the same way today, as we give and as we reflect on who we are as a church, hopefully a generous church, it's not about can we be generous. It's about do we understand that we worship a generous God? Do we understand that that we first received before we can give? It's a story about what God has done for us not what we can do for him. So we're going to do a few things. Uh, Firstly, we're actually going to take communion. Communion is a physical representation of what we believe, the bread and the cup. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken on the cross. The cup represents the blood of Christ that was shed. So before we give, we're going to take communion because it's a reminder. It's a reminder that we can only give and we can only be generous because we first received. Why don't we close our eyes and I'll pray for us and then we'll take communion together.